Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irakondo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakondo. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd. Five to up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast, Australia's favourite second division podcast. I'm joined by my co-host James Jarvis. My name is Lockie Sands and... Before we get anywhere, I want to give a special welcome to all the new Leicester fans out there who witnessed Harry Sutar's masterclass, is what I'm calling it, against Tottenham. What a player. Kept the other Harry quiet. We can get into that in just a second. But James, how are you going today? I'm going well, mate. Ready to go. It's a bit of a dry day in Brisbane compared to the last couple we've had, which is good weather for podcasting, I say. It is good podcasting weather. I think traditionally people would go, oh, it's raining outside. You can't play football. You might as well podcast. But no, no, no. We like the conditions to be dry, at least outside. I like our humour. Uh, well, you can say a lot of things about our humour. <laughs> I don't know whether they'd be true or not. Anyway, I don't really know to go from there. I'm coming off a, a wonderful breakfast radio shift and you're about to head to work. So we've got this perfect little opportune time for us to sit and chat about football. And that's what we will do. James, plenty of players impressing you. This week, shall we go around the grounds and, and chat about those performances? Sounds good. And why don't we start it off with the player that caused the welcome today? Big Harry Suter, mate. Big Harry Suter. I'm going to give him a big, big tick. Plenty of feedback coming in, James. You wouldn't believe how many people loved the sound effects, the addition of them, I guess, from the last episode. So you can bet that I'm going to be giving some more of these this week. Production quality. It's, it's on the up. It is on the up. If there's one thing you can say about this podcast, it's that we have production and that production is of a certain quality. Back to Harry Suter. What a performance. I mean, 4-1 against Tottenham and he managed to keep Harry Kane quiet all game. It was, look, a team effort. He's not the only center back on the pitch, but every ball in the air, Harry Suter was a threat and he managed to get an assist. He did. It was really a classic Harry Sutar game. The only thing that was missing really from a classic Harry Sutar game is a thundering corner goal from his big noggin. But other than that, I mean, really good pass completion rate, the way that he made good decisions every time. And it's probably the most underappreciated bit about Harry Sutar's game. Yes, he can make phenomenal recovery runs. Yes, his positioning is very good defensively. Uh, Yes, he can score goals from headers. The range of passing that he has is very nice in the way that he can play long ball, he can play short ball. But what underpins that is his decision-making. The way that Harry Suter always makes the correct decision is so impressive to me. And this is both on the ball and off the ball. When he's defending, he seems to never really get it wrong, whether it's to close down the man and close down the space, or to jockey, let them have the space and give everyone else on his side time to recover. But then going forward, uh, when, when he wins the ball back, he always seems to make the right choice whenever it's to penetrate into the midfield, to engage the press and force rotation, or to hold the ball, play it short, to make the press move from side to side, or even to switch to play and switch to focal points of attack. It's really a calling card of his game, and that kind of high-intelligence football is something that will continue to spur Harry Suter on in his career because it's been, what, two games? And he's already shown that he, honestly, could be at a higher level than Leicester already, really. And Leicester fans will be loving that because they want to get back to the level that they were. And Harry Suter is the kind of player that can help them get into those bottom-end European places. There's a big test for Leicester this weekend with Manchester United. Early prediction, how he's going to go. Will he rise to the occasion like we've seen at the World Cup that he did, do you think that he's found his place in the Premier League? I think so. I think he definitely is going to become an established Premier League player for the next few years of his career, most definitely. Uh, whether he leaves England or not remains to be seen. If he doesn't leave England, I could see him in the Premier League for half a decade or more. But it's a different challenge, yes. 
Tottenham are a very centrally focused team. All their talent is really down those central parts of the field, whether it's down the middle or in the half spaces. The wide players, while yes, are very talented, they actually don't really like to play in the wide spaces. They like to come inside. When you look at Manchester United, their wide players, they love getting into outside channels, forcing overloads. So it's going to be a very different challenge for Harry Suter and one that he's going to be a lot more in the box for rather than in the kind of middle third uh, looking to break up transitional play. So very different challenge, one that I think will be a great opportunity to see uh, how his ACL has recovered. Uh, I think it has recovered fully, but this kind of game is going to involve a lot of sharp turns for him, big body, so it's going to test his agility in a major fashion. So I'm quite excited for it. I'm expecting another solid game from Harry Suter, but it's going to certainly be a very different test than he what he had against Tottenham. Another Aussie centre-back in England, albeit in a lower league, Cameron Burgess, who we did mention a couple of weeks ago. He's at Ipswich Town, playing out a nil-all draw against Bristol Rovers, and ordinarily you go, a nil-all draw doesn't sound like much happened in that game. Cameron Burgess, one of the most duels in the match, is 13 of them that he had. Accurate passes, 72%, which is, I guess, all right for a centre-back. Uh, and managed to get a couple of shots away as well. Best player on the pitch for his side. And a tidy performance. Yeah, a really tidy performance. I probably won't dwell on it all that much because we have spoken at length about him in a previous episode quite recently. But good performance. Dominant, really, in terms of his defensive phases of play. Uh, In terms of going forward, his long ball pass completion wasn't phenomenal, I would say. That's definitely probably the biggest aspect of growth in his game still to see if he can get to that championship level uh, kind of where we saw Harry Sutar at a couple of seasons ago. But Cameron Burgess at the age of 27, he has appeared to be a bit of a late bloomer in his career, and we could see him push on till the age of 31 and 32 and be in and around that fifth spot in the Socceroos' 25-man squad. So good game, impressing again, and hopefully he can keep this up. Yeah, hopefully he can keep this up. It has been quite a fun career to follow in recent years. Good old Cammy Burgess. James, it, it brings me great excitement to bring this one to you. Friend of the show, Cam Pupion, managed to uh, get an assist in the Premier League too. Yeah, I love to see it. Cam Pupion, very much a growing player. And it's always great to see him get on the scorecard as well. But for Cam Pupion, I think it's very much at the stage where we kind of know who he is as a youth product, right? He's a very, very fast player and can get in really good position, dangerous positions, and has shown quite a lot of versatility playing right the way up and down the flank. So good to see him get an assist against a very strong uh, Spurs youth outfit as well. I'm really hoping we see some senior minutes for Campy Pion soon. Uh, maybe we'll see some towards the end of the season where Brighton kind of confirm where they are in the league and have a bit more of an opportunity to play those kind of young prospects that you kind of see towards the end of a Premier League season. So... We're kind of building up to that point for Cam Pupion now where I feel like the end of the season could be a chance that we see him make a Premier League debut. Yeah, I mean, it gets to this sort of stage with a lot of these young prospects where you go, hey, is the best thing for them to go out on loan? Is that something that he might be considering the best move for him? When we last spoke with him, he's very adamant that he wants to fight for a place in that Brighton side and and we hope that he continues to fight and, and he is rewarded for his efforts with a Premier League appearance off the bench. That'll be one to watch in the months to come, as, especially as this season sort of wraps up. Look, I have a deep respect for you and the opinions and the takes that you have. But when you mentioned to me, I feel like it was a year ago now that you were a big fan of this player and you wanted to see him play for the Socceroos. Like, oh, buddy, no. Like, I get that you have a thing for people who are dual nationals and wanting to win them over to Australia. If you want to look at it like that, some people might say, play where your heart is and you shouldn't need to win anyone over. But Gethin Jones, it's hard to deny as a co-host of this podcast that we should be talking about this guy when he pops up with a goal in a 5-0 win against MK Dons. Now, you might go the standard of football, not quite as high as maybe Scotland, but hey, a goal from a right mid slash right wing back, it's nice to see. It is very nice to see, and he also had an assist this week uh, in a 5-0 drubbing against Peter Ross. So two 5-0 wins, two goal contributions, two games. And I'd say League One is actually 
I'm sorry if you're a Scottish Premier League fan, oh, a bit comparable to the Scottish Premier League. I'd say in terms of the top four, they're probably more championship standard, but I'd say Arty, you know, leave that kind of top four range. It's very much a top end League One standard in Scotland. So that's kind of my read in terms of the talents across the leagues. And I'd take Gethin Jones. He probably should be in more consideration. Goal, assist, he's a very good right back, to be honest, uh, can push up high, and it shows he can get goal contributions. He's a good player, very versatile as well. He can fill in at right centre back if you need. He can play right mid, he can play right wing back, he can play right back. So versatility is something I value highly, and I would say he should be in and around there, continuing to play well, and I would say if you know the phone rung from Graham Arnold, I would say we don't really need to win him over. I'd say he would take international football at this point in his career from anyone. So I wouldn't mind to see it. I think he's very good. But I think probably now it's really now or never uh, because you have Nathaniel Atkinson who is looking like he is going to continue to develop. There was a bit of a blip earlier in this season where it's like, oh, maybe not. You've got Ryan Strain now performing very well. So if he doesn't get captain 2023, I would say that's probably it for his chances. I mean, he's played seven games since the 10th of December, only letting in one goal in that entire time. 4-0 win against Manchester United Academy, 3-0 against Barnsley, 1-0 against Forest Green, conceded against Charlton in a game they still won, 1-0 Cheltenham, and then these two 5-0 rompings just in this past week. Reflects pretty well for a player who spends a fair bit of time defending. Yeah, he's a very talented player. He can make much like Harry Sutar, good decisions. He's not as good a decision maker in terms of the final third. He can lose the ball quite regularly in those kind of areas. He'll get caught in it or his crossing isn't superb. Uh, but when you look around at other right back options, Ryan Strain has got a very good cross on him. But I would say Genson Jones is far superior in terms of defensive option to Ryan Strain. I would say it's not even really close. Uh, and the same Atkinson is kind of just a blend between the two. Uh, Atkinson is just an average right back with the hope that he can become exceptional in an area or two. Uh, but yeah, Genton Jones, I mean, the numbers don't lie. He's constantly involved in defensive actions. He very rarely gets beaten in a, in a duel. He is constantly making recovery runs. He's a very athletic player that can get up and down. And I would love to see him in a Socceroo shirt, but it's a tough one when you kind of get the sense that from what Graham Arnold said, he wants to develop young talent. So Nathaniel Atkinson is probably a bit of a shoe in at this point. I would say Karachuk is our best right back overall, and it's probably not that close either. And when you get to that kind of perspective of it, Karachuk is in, Atkinson is second choice. Then probably third choice will be Ryan Strain because he offers so much going forward. But if we ever find ourselves in a situation where Nathaniel Atkinson stops getting game time, which he hasn't, recently. Karacic maybe has a red card and injury. Genton Jones, he couldn't get a call up for sure. And I think he's a very good option that we need to keep in mind when discussing the national team, because I would say those four names that I've said, they're the four right backs that we should be considering. And for me, there really isn't anyone else outside of those four names for the immediate future of the Socceroos. Yeah. I mean, Josh Rawlins, who we've discussed on this show, he's got a bright future. Probably a couple of years away. Yeah, still a little while away. There's plenty of other names that we could probably name drop, but we'd be here for quite a long time. I do like that you've given an end point of when we might be discussing his impact potentially in the national team. You said at the end of 2023, if he's not in the national team, then it's it's a no, and we won't have to talk about him. I've got nothing against the bloke personally. I just I think because you're so passionate about him, I'm a little bit off-put by it. Okay. James... There is an Australian who is finding his way in the lower leagues in England. He's actually just racked up 100 appearances for Blackpool. I'm talking about Kenny Dougal. I'll be honest, his games recently haven't been all that wonderful, but still says a lot that he's been such a servant to that side. I mean, regular 90-minute football matches, 100 starts for Blackpool, and now... Quite a few years in the championship as well. He's got himself to a point where you just have to respect it, really. Uh, and he's not really a starry player. He's not like Riley McGree, who is going to woo you over with his gold contributions and his 
silky range of passing, Kenny Dougal, very much an industrious player that he works hard, he gets to his spots he needs to be, he plays the right pass, he's a very simple football player. And you may think simple, bad, but in the case of football, for me, I think simple in certain positions is probably the best. And Kenny Dougal is one of those players as a six, as an eight, will just be that simple football player. And to be honest, I think he should be on the plane to the World Cup. I think he would have been a great, great reserve in terms of our midfield. He would have been able to come on, you know, when we have a lead against Denmark, when we have a lead against Tunisia and give you 20 minutes of high energy experience, knowing how to defend, knowing how to retain the ball and be a really good player in those areas. And at the age of 29, it may be starting to close that soccer's door. But once again, I think he should probably be in the frame for the Asian Cup. And if he continues playing well in the championship, playing good, solid football in the championship, when I look around with, you know, players like N. Christich really struggling for fitness, not playing much. And I look around those kind of scenarios. Tommy Rogic certainly not getting any younger. I would say Kenny Dougal definitely should be fifth choice, I would say, if you don't see huge upticks from our young midfielders. Tommy Rogic also not playing. He's been dropped. I think... It's probably the last time we've we've seen him in the national team was pre-World Cup. Unless, and hear me out, comes to the A-League. I think we've seen plenty of Aussie footballers go, hey, it's not quite working out overseas. And I wouldn't recommend this for every player. I think certainly the younger players try and stick it out in Europe, stick it out, learn what it means to fight for your place. But for someone like Rogic... We've seen Adam Taggart do it. We've seen Jason Cummings do it. Maybe come back to Australia and rediscover your best. I would love to see him back in Australia. I think he's kind of at the point of his career where he's not so much a lead midfielder uh, in many ways. He's very much a supplementary midfielder that can uh, work well within a unit. He's not going to win games from his 90-minute performances. He's never really been that player anyway. He's really much been a 60-minute player. He's very much at the point where I think Coming home, come back to Australia, mentoring the next generation of midfielders would be phenomenal. When I look around the league, I think of someone like Danny De Silva, someone like Daniel Ozzani, those kind of profiles of highly ambitious, lots of untapped potential creative midfielders that would really grow from that experience, that wealth of knowledge that Tommy Roschick has. Because Tommy Roschick has had a phenomenal career over in Europe. He's shown what it takes to make that leap over. And for players in that kind of boat, whether they have come back and they're trying to find what was missing, or even players preparing to go over. When I look around the league, Vlupale, Melbourne Victory, I think that would be a phenomenal opportunity for a mentoring basis as well, because Vlupale, I think, has a lot of room to grow. 21 years of age is finally getting an opportunity. Players like that need mentors, and that's what marquees are meant to be but when i look at the grand scheme of things i think marquees are very much more so focused on crown numbers rather than footballing reasons which i think is unfortunate but tommy rogic i think could very much hit both so for me he's a dream marquee because for footballing reasons on and off the pitch he'll be phenomenal but he would also get a crowd down to a game for sure i agree with you there this next player i think is drawing crowds in almost single-handedly just by the way he's playing in recent weeks we've spoken about him i feel like every episode for the last month or so but Riley McGree he's done it again popped up with another goal Riley McGree scores a goal and look we can go over him again in terms of what makes him good he's continuing to play good he's one of the best attacking midfielders in the entire championship right now that is how good he is I believe I said leading into the world cup the biggest thing for Riley McGree is consistency He's always struggled with consistency. We've seen the flashes of potential. Coming into Middlesbrough, when he was at Middlesbrough at the start, he was inconsistent. Coming into the World Cup, he'd have an amazing game and then a poor game, then an amazing game and then a poor game. He's finally found that consistency. And for as long as this continues, he is really growing. And consistency is what drives growth in footballers. So as long as he's consistent playing this well, He's continuing to grow as a footballer. And he's got such high potential. It's going to be exciting to see how far this consistent growth is going to take him because at this rate, he's 
very well going to be a Premier League footballer next year. So exciting few months coming up for Riley McGree. Let's see how long he can keep this form going. From one exciting young centre midfielder to another, Keanu Backus chipping in with an assist for Ryan Strain. St. Mirren, unfortunately, still lost to Motherwell, but I've said it before in this podcast, I love it when Aussies combine on the pitch to create a goal, and we've seen it happen once again. We have, we have, and funnily enough, in this game, we saw uh, two scenarios with the right midfielder helping out a central midfielder for a goal, or vice versa in terms of positions, but... For us, we care about the Aussies and Ryan Strain. I kind of already touched on him earlier when speaking about Genton Jones. He's phenomenal in the final third. So good there. Uh, very much fits that kind of classic uh, Adelaide United fullback that they seem to develop so regularly in terms of their ability to go forward. We've just seen Ryan Kiddo get a goal on the weekend. Uh, so we know that is propeller Ryan Strain, but Keanu Backus is a phenomenal shuttler and the big growth point for him in his career right now will probably be his progressive passing. He is very good at making simple passes. Um, I believe I've compared him on the podcast before to someone like Jordan Henderson, someone that could shuttle across the midfield, make the simple ball, divert attention to the better players, move the ball to them, put them in positions to succeed while still remaining defensively solid and putting a team in a good position to win the ball back early. Uh, for Keanu Backus, if he can add these progressive passes, these assists, these chance-creating passes into his repertoire. He'll really take that next step in his career. So phenomenal to see him getting on the assist charts and Ryan Strain getting the goal, which you also love to see. So a really good combination there. And hopefully for both of these players, they continue to lift up their form because they could be very important parts of the Socceroos camp come the Asian Cup. Well, James, Strain and Backers both played another game this week, only playing 71 minutes and 77 minutes respectively against Celtic in the Scottish FA Cup. Unfortunately, they went down 5-1. But for Celtic, Aaron Moy contributing at least to one of those goals with an assist. I mean, won't touch on it all that much because, once again, we've touched on Aaron Moy quite a bit recently. He's probably the best midfielder in all of Scotland right now. Wouldn't be far off to saying that he's very good picks up an assist good game and hopefully Aaron Moy can continue this good form all the way through the Asian Cup because he is probably our most important player come Asian Cup time yeah totally agree hopefully he continues to retain this form and he most likely be joined in the midfield by these next two guys playing for St Pauli Metcalf and Jackson Irvine, Metcalf popping up with a goal. Jackson Irvine, man of the match performance. Metcalf somewhat reinventing himself a little bit, playing as a right inside forward. Not a role he's really ever played in his career, but suits his skill set well. So great to see him getting a second goal in two games. Uh, but on Jackson Irvine, he really in this game showed why he should be in that Socceroos midfield as really an option next to Aaron Moy. I think a lot of people want to see McGree next to Moy, but I think when you look at our wing depths and our issues at the wing and the fact that McGree is playing so well at left wing slash left midfield, whatever you want to call it, you kind of should just play him there because he is so good. And then Irvine and Moy would be a phenomenal combination in midfield. Irvine is just a better version of what Bacchus is, really. He is more experienced. He makes the right decisions. He shuttles well. He covers... Your fullbacks really well when they come up the pitch, but he also occupies the half space really nicely in order to create imbalances and allow your winger to have more space to operate in those wider channels and isolate one-on-ones. And that's what Jackson Irvine did so well for Conor Metcalf, the way that he was able to occupy the space around Conor Metcalf, giving him more time on the ball, giving him the option and allowing Conor Metcalf to get into these opportunities between the fullback and the centre-back because the centre-back had to be aware of, oh, Jackson Irvine's right on the edge of the area. His positioning is perfect to play a really good ball into the centre-back, so I have to sit narrow. Then the fullback is in a tough decision of, oh, do I go wide to mark the fullback or sit in on Conor Metcalf because the midfielder was then preoccupied with Irvine. So Irvine's positioning is such a strong asset of his game. And I think will be very important for the Socceroos come the Asian Cup where we need to build pressure, 
have more of the ball and really control the tempo of a match because Jackson Irvine thrives in those environments. People, I think, have forgotten how good Jackson Irvine is in a Socceroo shirt as well. He certainly lifts his performances, but you may not have seen as much at the World Cup because stylistically, those weren't really the games for him, but he still played very well in those games. So, phenomenal to see Jackson Irvine playing well and I think should be a mainstay in the Socceroos midfield. I mean, you said it, he lifts his performances for the Socceroos and it can only be a good thing that he's playing so well at a club level because if he's playing well at club and then he's able to lift his performances for the Socceroos, then we have a very tough conversation to have within our midfield ranks about who makes it in and who maybe misses out. I don't think it's that tough for me. I think McGree is kind of a shoe in at left mid at this point and then Moy and... Irvine are kind of shoe in central midfield. It's really that sixth position that's a big question mark. And it has been since Millet and retired, really. Well, I mean, we've had Moy playing at six for quite a while as well. So, look, I still stand by my statement. It is a tough conversation as to who plays and, and what sort of configuration remains to be seen, especially I know that Metcalf's been succeeding in this inside forward role, but... I think you would say that his preferred position is in the midfield and that's where he'd like to play. And, and the same for McGree as well. Yeah, I think so. But Metcalf, he hasn't really performed at a club level in Europe all that well playing in midfield role. And even for the Socceroos, I think hasn't performed all that well in a eight role. I don't think Metcalf is the solution at six either. Um, I think his tackling leaves a little bit to be desired. He's very much a complementary eight or a dominant ball progression six. But right wing could be a position that suits him very well. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of two inside forwards on each side, which is what McGree and Metcalf would be. But I think as an option on the right wing, if he continues to perform like he has been in recent weeks, very much could be in that consideration for 25-man squad. And I view him probably right now ahead of someone like Tristich for that position. Well, another player you could add into the mix, Grand Koala at centre mid. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Hasn't played this week. And the Hearts manager has been um, on the comm saying, oh, look, he's a young player. He's learning. He won't play week in, week out. Uh, he's, you know, going to have a start here. He's going to come off the bench there. You know, it's all about play aggression, which is fair. But at the same time, He's a good player that makes an impact on games, so he should be getting minutes. Look, I said that as a bit of a joke suggestion. Maybe a slightly more serious suggestion. Danny Genro actually got some match minutes for Toulouse this week. He did, which, I mean, is a good thing for Danny Genro because before playing on Sunday, the 12th of February, for 27 minutes in Ligue 1, uh, hadn't played. He played one minute on the 24th of October, 16th minutes on the 16th of October, and then a combined near half hour as well at the start of October. So hasn't played all that much football, but he's back. He was off the bench for Toulouse. He got some minutes off the bench and he actually really impressed. He played half an hour. He completed seven of his eight passes uh, and all those passes were in smart passes. Really? He didn't really try and force anything. One was just misplaced and, he actually created some good opportunities uh, going forward. Struck the post once, probably should have scored as well. And there was one insane effort that he had tight on that left inside channel where he struck the ball very cleanly with his left foot and the keeper actually put in a very good save because he found the bottom corner. So very much could have popped up as a goal. All things considered, if the keeper you know, didn't make an insane save that day. We're probably seeing about Denis Jean-Roux scoring a goal, making pushback for some more minutes in League One. So good to see Denis Jean-Roux coming off the bench, biding his time, but then having a really impactful moment off the bench and a really impactful half hour showing that, look, I should have some minutes. He didn't get the goal to meet that, but I mean, one shot off the post, one shot requiring an insane save from the keeper, and then winning your ground jewels, being very progressive in midfield, making smart passes, a very good game in half an hour. And I would think that we would see Danny Jean-Rue actually start to clock up some minutes because I think 
performances like that earn match minutes. In other good news, Matt Ryan, clean sheet in a 5-0 win for AZ Alkmaar against Excelsior. Yeah, Matty Ryan, obviously our stunning keeper, but good to see him. I believe it was his first clean sheet as well. So great to see him get that clean sheet and great to see him especially get a clean sheet after a certain chaotic game, which, as I said, was just a blip. So Matty Ryan, back to what he does best, saving goals, distributing the ball well. Yeah, very different to that 5 all game that you just alluded to a couple of weeks ago. Still great to see his teammates contributing five goals and even better that he's not shipping them. He's not conceding those five for his side this time. James, I do want to bring up a player that maybe hasn't had the best week. And it regrets me to inform you, Frank Karacic saw red. Not great. Yeah, maybe he just wanted a bit of an early ice bath. Look, it wasn't good. Two yellow cards very early and put his team in a very bad position. They went on to lose 4-0, so a bit of a uh, boneheaded decision from Fran. I never like to see two yellow cards at any point for one player in a football match, but most certainly not in the opening Quarter of an hour. so 16 minutes. It's a bit of a brain-dead move, in my opinion, to to cop two yellows that quickly. Seems to be a bit of a characteristic of Fran. Maybe the, not the sort of player that is always the most cool, calm and collected on the pitch. Could maybe get riled up a little bit easily. Do you see that potentially affecting his position in the team? Um, Look, it really depends on the manager. Um, some managers like to discipline their players. Uh in addition to the league rules disciplinary uh, guidelines. But to be honest, I think Frank Karachus is a good enough player that we'll see him back in the starting 11 uh, at some point in February and probably have to earn his place again. And I think he will do that quite quickly because he is a very good player. Uh, and he has shown that so far with Brescia this season that it really is their best right-back option. So, yes... Bad move. Yes, he'll have to earn his right-back spot back again, I suspect. But yes, I also expect that we'll see him starting games fairly soon after he has returned from his suspension. Well, that is good news indeed. Coming to Australia, we had quite an exciting round of football in the A-League men's. Started off the weekend, Central Coast going 2-1 up against the Raw. You then had an action-packed Adelaide Western United game with five goals. Goodwin chipping in with a pen, but Noah Botic also getting a goal in that match. And one of our favourites, Nestor Irankunda, chipping in with assists. I think you alluded to Ryan Kiddo popping up with quite a rare goal. It's not something that he does all that often, but great to see in what was an exciting game. Some fringe Socceroos and some some current ones as well, some frequent ones, as you, you put last week, contributing... To this match. Yeah, it was a very exciting match, really. Very exciting. Uh, Noah Bertic opening a scoring before you saw another Western United goal and then Adelaide United completed a comeback being down 2-0. But for Noah Bertic, it was a very interesting kind of game. He has very much played as a sole striker when he has now started to play for Western United. Great to see him continue to play for Western United, I must say. This game, he actually played as a partner to Priovic and I think he played very well. Noah Bertic... 21 years old, lots of room to grow. People forget just how talented he is. And because he went to Western United, right? <laughs> the graveyard for many young footballer right now. But Noah Botek seems to have broken through after returning from Germany. Played in Hoffenheim's youth system. Really impressed there, but decided, look, it's time for me to find some first-team football. Has now started to get some at Western United. And like I said before, 21 years old. And he is as composed as they come. He... He's a very intelligent player. And for me, his composure combined with his natural finishing and his contribution and build-up play. He makes good off-ball movements to open space for wingers. But he also played very, very well off Priovic. And I think he could be Australia's number nine of the future. He has a lot of room to grow still. And he'll have to continue to grow to get there. He could be seen in the green and gold at some point soon, within the next two years. In terms of potential, I would say he definitely has higher potential than someone like Nicholas D'Agostino. But based on his current ability, he has to 
grow a lot, especially in his contributions to build-up play, but also just in his ability to create chances for himself. He has to create shooting opportunities for himself with a bit more regularity. A goal, he had one, a headed goal as well, which you always love to see a good headed goal from a striker. You know, a bit of a traditional number nine. I have a bit of a soft spot for. No Botek, good player. Great to see him on the squad card. Yeah. One of those strikers for the futures, in my opinion. But it's where a lot of our best players got their start in the A-League. And so for him to be able to stick it out at Western United and still get starts is quite impressive. It obviously means that John Alley sees something in him, right? Another young player that just mentioned, Iren Kunda, popped up with an assist. He's building quite a repertoire of decent performances over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he has. I obviously played well against the Raw, as we touched last episode with a goal in 12 minutes, and then hasn't really played all that much through January, had a decent little run of games in December, but seems to have earned his way back into the team, back onto the substitute appearances, and 38 minutes this game, assist, and Nestor Erenkadov really has to continue to find that consistency. It's really hard for young players to do that, so you have to afford them a lot of grace because he's only just turned 17. I believe it was this week or last week. So you have to afford these kind of really young, inexperienced players a lot of grace. You shouldn't expect them to put in performances week in, week out. You kind of need to look at the underlying aspects of the game. But James, I want results now. Look, don't we all, Lachlan, but patience is important for player development and something that Adelaide probably hits home the best in the entire A-League, to be honest. Uh, Them and Central Coast, for me, are the gold standard, I'd say, for developing young players in terms of the patience they have for them, the way they monitor their development and give them the opportunity combined with teaching them that opportunity is earned. And it reflects well on Adelaide as well with the way that Nestri and Kinder spoke in the press conference. We spoke about it last week, how he said, I have to work on my work ethic, which shows that he has some really good mentors and someone like Ray Goodwin who is showing him what he needs to do to take that next step in his career. And it's really good that he has that self-awareness because I would say in this game, he contributed quite well in terms of the build-up phases of the game. He actually got a bit more involved. He dropped a bit deeper at times when he was needed to. And he made some good, simple passes, which Nestor Kinder hasn't really done much in terms of the A-League level. He has done it very well for the Joeys before. Uh, and when you... Think back to the dominating performances, you know, when they played down in Shepparton uh, earlier in the year. He shows that he can dominate a game when he is physically dominant because he's a very strong player for his age. And, of course, very quick as well. When it comes to the A-League where everyone's just as strong, as just as quick as him, he has shown he can get a bit lost. But this game, he did get involved. And for me, some people call it a negative, but I view it as a positive, Lachlan. He had eight duels. He won one. Not great. But for me, the fact that he contested eight duels is huge because when you look back at Nestor Ingrida, he usually doesn't like defending at all. He doesn't get very involved in defensive actions. He doesn't like engaging with them when the his team loses the ball. When he loses the ball, the head drops. He kind of disengages a little bit. But in this game, he was going in for challenges. He was trying to win the ball. And for me, that's a very important sign for a young player who has struggled with defensive work ethic. The fact that he had eight duels in half an hour is very, very important and something that should be praised and noted because that shows personal development and that shows growth and that should be celebrated and gives me a lot of hope that Nestorian can, can fulfill his potential. Yeah, I agree, mate. Now that Garang has moved overseas... I feel like there's another prospect that could become a world beater one day that Australian media just want to throw their support behind. And I feel like Iren Kunda is that player. As we've said before, he is younger than Garang. His ceiling is just as good. It really just depends on how he continues to develop within the next year. And making those efforts to jump into duels, to grow the elements of his game where he is considerably weaker yes not successful in the sense that he lost seven of the eight of them but the fact that he's willing to try I think speaks a lot to his character and the way in which 
he wants to get better to become a better footballer. Continuing to look across the league in the A-League, you had the Sydney Derby with Andrew Redmayne actually scoring man of the match in that game because of his clean sheet and a couple of decent saves that he made. He wasn't really challenged, to be honest. Uh, Western Sydney, a bit too slit an attack, I'd say. Fair call. Then we move across to Perth in a f- fascinating 2-4 scoreline. A scoreline you don't see super often. But Jordan Boss, what a player he is becoming. Popped up announcing, really, that he is here to stay with a beautiful goal cutting in. Scoring top right-hand corner. You then also had in that same match, Matt Leckie scoring a goal. I guess we come to expect that from him, and that's great to see that. And then a player that is close to your heart, at least it feels like over the last couple of months, Keegan Jelicic with an assist in that game as well. Yeah, I'll start for Jordan Boss because I feel like we've spoken about him uh, quite at length recently. We've spoken about how good he is defensively. It showed in this game, 9 of 13 duels won. Nine recovery runs. Two clearances. Very, very effective defensively. We we know he's a very good build-up player. We've spoken about it at length, you know. 92% pass completion. Very involved in the build-up phases of his team. Very intelligent movement. Very athletic as well in terms of breaking the line and providing the forward option. What we did speak at length about, though, is the weaknesses. Yes, he didn't complete a cross again this game. Crossing still is very much a weak point of his game. But we also spoke about if he's not going to become a better crosser, he has to become a better finisher. And the dribbling that he showed, we know he's capable of. That was a beautiful little jinky-to-jinky kind of movement, This foot, that foot, keeping the defender uncertain, then the burst of speed to create some space. We know he's capable of that. But the finish, the curling effort... With his right foot, his weak foot, to curl that into the top corner was a beautiful thing. And if Jordan Boss can create threatening goal-scoring opportunities from that, semi-regularly, right? Have a good shot and goal every game. Have a goal every third game, fourth game. The sky's the limit for this kid because he is so good defensively. He is so good progressively. If he can find that end product and he can grow as a crosser and as a finisher, he could become the best left back for Australia of all time. That is how high his potential is because, to be honest, he's one of the best defensive left backs already in the league at his age. He's one of the best progressive left backs already in the league at his age. He just has to find that end product. So hopefully this goal is a sign of things to come. They can get on the scorecard with some regularity, whether it be goals or assists but a beautiful goal in this game and one that I'm sure he'll remember for a very long time. Yeah, Melbourne City's left-hand side is is quite fierce, isn't it? You got Matt Leckie, as I said, with a goal and, and an assist as well. And then you got Jordan Boss, who is really making a name for himself within the Melbourne City side, but also within the A-League. It's quite impressive. He had the most passes out of anyone in the City side that game. City's attack is just going down that left-hand side, it seems like, at this point in time. And why wouldn't you? When you've got the resources that they have in their side, there's no wonder they win games quite comfortably. And, and this one was fairly comfortable for them. Yeah, it really was. And that was despite the best efforts of Perth Glory, who are a definitely inferior side in terms of talent, I'd say, on the overall. But, I mean, that they're growing young talent, and that's what they're trying to do. Uh, yes, they have some older players like a David Williams who popped up on the scorecard, but Keegan Jelicic is really the the jewel of that team in terms of young players right now. He's 20 years old, of course, dual national with New Zealand. We've touched on it, but another really good game for him, a good assist. He just creates chances, really. He is a natural 10, and I really want to see him play as an 8 at some point or as a winger at some point soon because... We've kind of now seen that he is a very good 10, right? He can move into the half spaces very well. He can play off the shoulder of the striker, uh, be in the shadow very well. But Graham Arnold doesn't play with the 10, right? I want to see this kid play as a left winger, a right winger, an eight, 
and even in just an advanced eight to show that, hey, look, I can do it in these positions as well. Graham Arnold, you should probably start thinking about capping me because New Zealand's a bit tempting right now. So I want to see that soon because I think that will definitely add to the whole idea of him choosing the Socceroos if he can show that I can play at this level. He's definitely an Australian boy in terms of his football pathway, really. He came up through the raw youth system, then played at Lions in Richland, you know, the former NSL side. And then he played at Olympic as well, briefly also being at the Raw making goal appearances for them. So he's come up through the ranks in the Australian system. He's definitely been developed by Australia. So hopefully he can choose Australia as well if he keeps on developing the way he is. For us based in Brisbane, it's always nice to have a Brisbane-based soccer. It's been a while since that's been the case. It's also nice because I've seen this guy play since he was 16 years old. He's a very good player. Yes, that's fair enough as well. And I understand that's why you're so passionate about him. Other two games in the league for Australia this week, Newcastle Jets, Melbourne victory. You had Grozos with a goal for Newcastle. But I want to highlight Valupale, who, after getting a run of starts for Melbourne victory, a side that is struggling for form at the moment and is needing someone who's going to contribute going forward. Have they found someone in Valupale? Yeah, I'd say he very much fits the mould that Popovich likes. Of course, when they signed Nanny, their mould and the way they played, the tactic changed a lot. But since Nanny went down injured, they very much have the opportunity now to go back to what they were. And someone like Valupe has an opportunity uh, to step into that. And I think he is playing very well. Yes, he's not offering much in terms of build-up. Uh, he's a very direct player. But 21 years of age, you expect that, right? You expect that from young players. We've already spoken about players like Nestor here and Kundu who have to learn how to drop deep and help and build up play. Blue play fits that mould at the age of 21. Hasn't had all that much first-team experience. So he wants to be direct. He wants to get forward. And, I mean, it paid off for him this game. He got a goal. And he is very much a transitional player. He likes to get into the open space. But something that impresses me about Blue play is he can slow the game down very, very well. People often get distracted by players like Valupe who can dribble with uh, quite good precision and create opportunities. He completed four dribbles just this game. Something that impresses me is the way that when he gets the ball into the final third, he just slows just that tiniest bit and pops his head up to survey. And that's something some players uh, really struggle to do. Uh, and that's something that I think can separate some players, uh, and especially at the level of the A-League, can really separate you from good footballers uh, and can make you perform at a higher level of them. Someone that does that really well in the A-League is Craig Goodwin. Craig Goodwin, he is not as fast as he used to be. He used to be a very quick player. But as he's gotten older, he's gotten exceptionally good at, before he receives the ball, he scans. He takes a bursting dribble to beat his man. Then he slows down, pops his head up and scans. And then he can make the right decision. And Volupele, at just the age of 21, he has that instinct in him to scan, to survey his surroundings before he makes a decision. And that's something that's almost rare in Australia. Uh, the, it infuriates me the amount of times when I watch the A-League or local MPL games where an attacker will get to the byline and then just put in the cross without really even looking. And just hope someone's in the box to finish it off. And then go off and hear the commentator and say, oh, it's a great creation. They really put it in the area, but no one's there. It's kind of the job of the crosser to <laughs> survey and check someone's there before crossing the ball. Uh, and Volupe does that really well. And I think that's something that needs to be highlighted because that is definitely a learning point in Australian football that needs to grow in terms of player development and grow in terms of coaching players. But Volupe has an innate ability and that's going to greatly serve him in his pathway going forward in the professional game. So great to see him getting a goal and hopefully we can see him to continue to hone in in the build-up phase of the game because I think he has a lot of potential to be a very, very good winger in the A-League and potentially even a Socceroos winger if he hits the upper end of his potential range. James, we spent a lot of time speaking about young prospective footballers, potential Socceroos. I will highlight that the Joeys... As we recall this, they've just wrapped up their three-match round-robin tournament. 
Unfortunately, losing in the final game to Uzbekistan, which meant that they didn't win the tournament. Uzbekistan went undefeated in that tournament. We'll have a full wrap and full kind of breakdown next week. I believe you're going to sit down. You're going to watch... Study the film. Study the film. Watch all three matches. And we'll have a better insight then. But just initially, does it concern you that Uzbekistan are going three for three and we got a win, draw and a loss in a tournament like this? Not at all. This is a golden generation coming through for Uzbekistan. They have recently played many a friendly that age group against European quality and they played very, very well. We're going to see Uzbekistan be in the top five teams for Asia for probably the next 10 years. They've got a very good crop of young players coming through. So it doesn't concern me at all. In fact, I'm greatly encouraged. I thought we played actually quite well against Uzbekistan, uh, despite them having a lot more familiarity with each other. I think we really dominated the game against Morocco as well. And against Czechia, we showed a lot of resolve in absorbing pressure and still looking to be positive in our play. So I think it was a really good camp. I will go into more detail next week when I have a bit more of an opportunity to look through the film rather than just watching the games. I want to look at the players a bit more in a bit more detail, so we'll go over it then. Initial thoughts and upon the initial watching, I'm actually quite encouraged by the way we played and the performances that players put in the results then that were garnered. I mean... Look, we've got the Asian Cup in our trophy cabinet. The Antlonia Cup, I think that's how you pronounce it, would have been nice, but maybe next time. Maybe next time. Uh, But good camp from the Joeys. And we actually have a lot of youth international football this year. Asian Cup, World Cup qualifying, Olympic qualifying. It's, It's quite a big year for youth football. It will be a big year for youth football. And we'll do our best to cover it because that's what... We're all about. We're all about this next generation of young and future socceroos. That'll be it for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. You can get in touch with us on our socials anytime at Soccer Who's Pod, wherever you are social. Until next week, hope you enjoy the football. Catch you later. <laughs>